If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Yeah. 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 It's a molecule that really interacts, you know, the endocannabinoid system with our endocrine system, with uh, a lot of different anti-inflammatory pathways, with a lot of different neurotransmitter pathways related to relieving anxiety and stress. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We are going to be chatting with Ben Greenfield a little bit later. Um... So we've been thinking about having on for a couple of years now. We we're going to have them. We weren't, then we were, then we weren't. I was listening to some of Ben's podcast a few years ago, some fascinating stuff. <clears throat> and uh, then Ben uh, tweeted out our vaccine debate episode and that led to an interaction that got him on the show. And we're going to interview him here in a little while after we're done our lazy rambling in- intro here. Uh, without further ado, I'll introduce my little co-host, Graham ripped calves Dunlops. How's it going, buddy? Not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah, this was fun with Ben. I've been following so him for a few years. Like, you know, honestly, he's what got me into the whole biohacking thing for a while, which we were playing jingles of and all that. And I was trying all these different things. I mean, a lot of that was coming from his stuff. I mean, he's really on the leading edge of these extreme athletes that are doing tests on themselves and biohacking and following, you know, the Shooting science. Stem cells into their penises. Yeah. And doing dick research and all that, and I mean, he's just—he's like—he's like his own guinea pig. It's fantastic. Did you shoot stem cells into your calves? <clears throat> no, they're just fake. They're fake. fake Botox. Calves. Yeah. So big shout out to Graham's calves. They were pretty ripped. All right, enough of the deep fakes. You found that. I can't believe you found that jingle. Would you go do around? Go, go around playing all it's the on the board. The... That's on the board, but none of the oh, other new ones. It's not, uh, the, the board isn't always well thought out. So yeah, for, uh, for people that are new to the show and all that, you can skip ahead to the interview itself if you don't want to hear a lazy ramblings here, but this is where we usually get into listener emails and sometimes we have some, some housekeeping, some housekeeping to do some we talk you know, about our events, beg for support. Sometimes we do some heavy segments like geoengineering, which we might do in this one or that type of stuff. That's right. Kind of all that into, sort of shit. It's great. Some people say it's the best part of the show. But Other a, people say it fucking sucks and the, they skip it. So go exactly. ahead and skip it. There'll be a timestamp in the show notes. And uh, you can usually just hit your skip button ahead, too, if I remember to put in the the uh, marker and if your podcast player supports that. But where you go, by? So is there... Ooh, I wonder if it's clear out. We might be doing a little C-set in before we go. Tonight? Yeah. Sure. You can summon something for me? Sure, I'll try. All right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't usually work, though. No? I need to be with a group of people, a group of cool people. I can't do it on my own. A group of cool people. Is that a shot? Is that a dig? No. Are you on Are again you tonight? I find it hard to believe that you could be on two two nights in a row. On? What do you mean? Well, you're kind of, you're in rare form during the Snake Brothers swap cast. What does that mean? At, uh, at being witty and... Really? Yeah. Was I? Oh, <laughs> look at you. <laughs> 
You had a couple good digs, yeah. That was our last episode you're where actually, we had out with the Snake Brothers. That's probably those guys bring it out of me. You're keeping up in our mental gym in our in our ongoing game of mental gymnastics. That's you know you're this you know today okay 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 okay, okay. no okay. no 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 I need a Gino, Joe Pesci no, no, Graham no, fucking no. mashup. <laughs> Is it weird that you're the second guy that's told me about mental gymnastics today? Probably, yeah. That's pretty weird. I yeah. haven't heard that term in a long time, and I've heard it twice today. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because normally you're more of my mental punching bag. Exactly. <laughs> I, I was like ducking and weaving and punching back. Were you, did you eat any? like your mental sparring partner instead of just Well, I had had gluten back. that day, but that shouldn't affect your performance, because I was I, still I, on. I've been, I've, been, I've been, ever since we talked to Ben... This is this is like we we recorded this about a month ago. Sorry for the delay, Ben. Sorry, Ben. We got a lot in the can. Oh, the can. But my great. diet's been off really bad ever since CAC. Yeah, off? I mean, I kind of wanted to go to CAC and see like four months to CAC and see. So I'm back up to my weight where I was before. Gluten every day. I'm on fourteen dollar bags feeling, of nuts I'm instead feeling, of chips. Uh, a little bit foggy in the mind and puffy in the body. It's good though, because it, it does make me realize that there was a difference. I'm back on some hard. things. You know, it's hard in, until you until you relapse on your diet. It's hard to tell. I'm how back good, on milk. How good it was. You're not even listening to me. You're just yeah, I'm talking listening. about your own diet. I'm back on milk. I'm trying to I'm trying to commiserate with you here, so That's you don't good. feel That's so good. bad. You're like you're just. Well, I don't know what the big deal about milk is. Like, yeah, I'm back like? on the milk. Not as much. I've cut back, but I'm on it. Uh, butter, nuts. I was off the nuts for a while. I'm on the nuts. I'm still off the wheat, but I'm less um, sticky. About the wheat? Yeah. Uh, honestly, I wanted to gain a little weight. I want to gain a little weight, and then I, I might. Uh, you have a lot, like you're like skin and bones compared to when I met you. Yeah, you I got to gain a little weight, and I'm gonna, gonna, yeah, I wanna, I'm gonna, I got a bike. So I was actually gonna bike here tonight. Oh my god! Don't do that on your first ride, dude. Yeah, it's a long way. It's like it's not just, that far. Your ass is gonna <laughs> sore, be sore. Like don't just just start out small, ride up your gravel road and back. My, my ass got sore fast. Like, oh yeah, it's, it's crazy. A, it's the first time out on a bike. It's like oh, is it stretching ow. my ass for me somehow? It's just bruising the bone. Is <laughs> I mean, you could probably stretch it out if you want. I mean, you can. Depending <laughs> on the type of seat you got. Yeah, I was actually going to come here tonight, and then I was like, ah, I need no, the laptop, no, and I'd clean the it. cup. No, do then it. I was like, ah, it's going to be late, too. Do I really want to be riding home? For the, and I don't have any, oh, yeah. there's no, no reflectors on oh, it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get knocked into a ditch. The back roads, no lights. There's dark on a, in a dark bike. Pitch black. Just, you got to get a light. If you're going to ride at night, get a light. I'm telling you, it's not safe on those roads. <laughs> Well, I just, I'd probably just drive off the road if a car was coming. It's just, and wait. wait for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> what, what if there's two coming and you can't drive off the shoulder because you're on that part between the water? Where the lake is? Yeah, the lake. The, the game little over. Land bridge. game over. That's how I go down. <laughs> you just have to come and do no, that No, but why, that you, terrible why are you podcast? biking if you're trying to gain weight? That's not the way to do it. Like, bulk up, like, eat more, lift some, lift some heavy weights. I've actually been thinking about getting a gym membership. <laughs> I 
so funny to me. I don't know why. Do I, I can take you to my gym for a guest, guest thing and just see. Don't... I'm going to commit to some 12. <laughs> Let me take it once and then see if you're going to like it or not. Maybe I'll just buy a kettlebell. <laughs> I got some little barbells at home sometimes. I use those. I was actually I was doing a seven-minute workout thing for a while. <laughs> it faded. <laughs> Is that a problem? If I can't do seven minutes, I shouldn't get it. you going to go get a gym membership? Like, you live fucking miles away from the nearest gym. You're in the middle of nowhere. You just got to set something up. Make your own little thing. You know, this is what Ben would do. He'd probably have some something little, in his backyard. He does some like little run thing, jump over got, some yeah, little hurdles, swinging a mace around, probably or something. Like, get yourself something functional. Some do some functional strengthening, like a kettlebell. Sure, I could yeah. climb some trees. Some sword. I could like, go to some back weapon, and weaponry. Climb some trees. Get yeah. some swords. I'm not going to be that guy that's out in the yard fucking swinging swords and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the neighbors are like, oh, man, you must be really into fucking martial arts. What's that something? show called? You guys all just finished watching Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the new thing, right? Instead of guys swinging lightsabers around they're fucking swinging Game of Thrones stuff around it. Terrible. I see a lot of guys on, on Instagram doing those medieval battles with the with they've got the armor and the, we should and get they're some, just hammering the shit out of each You think that's a good workout? You should see these guys. You think it's a good workout? Oh, oh my we God. Should get some armor and, armor, we should it. get some that armor and some fun. swords. Beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. I, we could. You know what? We could fucking talk to Brad and build a ring upstairs. Who's somebody just. We could build oh a God. fucking ring upstairs. We could have sword fights in there with armor, and we could have fucking other fights. What was the other Look, fight? Look, Sir Guy of Warwick just followed me or just uh liked our instagram post look we'll at get, him look at him we'll get he's, those big on, fucking like fucking 16 ounce gloves fair coming to a ren fest near you so he's an actual i think he's an actual uh i think we crowd some, look, found he's some a knight. like he's a he's a real knight he's got that nice. he could he can come in the back and just we teach could, us how to use swords and stuff we could crowd crowdfund some fights do you, have you seen these? Guys hey, we'll beat do each a pay per view. Up? We'll do Grand America pay per views. No, I haven't. We'll do Grand America pay per views. We'll build a fucking ring upstairs, and we'll do fucking sixteen ounce glove matches, and we'll like do a pay per view, and then and then we'll we'll gear up so we'll use the proceeds from that pay per view to buy swords and armor. What's the sixteen? We're not going to buy that. <laughs> they, 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 we'll rent it. I know there's a shop down the road there. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> So, so we'll do a pay-per-view, we'll do a Grimerica pay-per-view where we fight each like other with swords and fucking armor. That would be, a, we could sell that out. I'm telling nah. you, dude, these guys are, they go nuts these days. They're, uh, I see these guys all over the place. They're just kicking the shit out of each other with big, uh, big maces and, um, <laughs> pole arms. Like they use the, the small axes, like the, and then sometimes I could get, get you on reach. <laughs> yeah, but I get you on power. <laughs> That's how you got to bulk up. It's coming. Uh, so what do we got? What do you got? What do you got? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I do have some. I got okay. I got an email that'll lead us to a couple segments. So why don't we start with that? I'm just browsing through my Instagram here because there's some. There's some. Usually, I get these. Uh, night, well, you're too slow. In there and stuff. <laughs> Profound quote of the what, are you, what are you doing? This, I'm supposed to. I'm reading an email. 
profound quote of the week. Can you guess the human who spoke it or wrote it down? Wrote it down. Jesus. Okay, you ready? I told you it was an email. Well, you were taking too long, so I switched segments. See, these guys are going to beat up, beat each other up with swords. I don't give a fuck. We've switched fucking... (laughs) No shields. There's no shields when we do it. It's just fucking hand-to-hand. Two hands on the sword. Well, two-handed or two... Can you do... Two swords? Two swords, yeah. Two-handed fighting. Two-weapon fighting. Okay. Or a double, or two hands. Two hands on a heavy sword. Like, knock you over when you catch it across the head, sword. Okay, you're not doing the quote? No, I I told you it was an email (laughs) from Dan. Hey, guys, I don't know if this is the right form to contact you with random thoughts and observations, but I can't help to notice how much they've ramped up the geoengineering in the month of June where I live in the U.S., I've been paying attention to the skies for years now, and it seems like late spring, early summer of this year have given us more vaporous and sprayed down skies than I've ever seen before in my life. On social media, my friends from all across the country have been complaining about how bad the weather is, but none of them seem to notice that every two to three days of foggy, vaporous, grayed out Franken skies is always preceded by heavy chemtrails crisscrossing a normal blue sky. After two to three days, once the vapor clouds eventually disintegrate, the skies are normal for only about a half of a morning or afternoon before the jets are out to spray everything down once again. I know I may be describing chemtrails 101, but this year in particular, it seems like they're doing it on a repeat and giving us literally no breaks of sunshine, creating the new normal of vaporous, foggy, whiteout Franken skies. The sad part is how many of my social media friends are posting what they think is beautiful skies and sunsets when it's clear how unnatural all of them consistently look. Honestly, I'm writing you to get this off my chest because nobody, even my so-called open-minded friends, wants to hear about it or even understands what I'm talking about. The disinfo out there is real, and the norm among so-called rational people is to immediately attack this stuff as loony, despite the fact that Harvard and Yale have put out papers and proposals on stratospheric aerosol injections. My moral in the month of June has been so... Oh, my morale has been so low. My energy has been so low. My mood and body just seem different. Somehow I don't have the motivation to try to do anything about it. Whenever in the past I would go down too far down a conspiracy rabbit hole, I would cut myself off for the sake of my own mental health. But now this isn't an option because every time I step outside, I see this hellish dystopian environment getting worse and worse by the day. Fuck, of maybe course, that's what we're going to do with you, cut you off for a of while. Of course I wouldn't go as far as saying I'm suicidal because I'm absolutely not, but it's really hard to want to get up in the morning when your body feels like shit. The world around you looks like a sci-fi fucking movie. I added the fuck in there. And it seems like there's nowhere to hide from this stuff whatsoever. How do you stay positive in these conditions? I hope you or one of your guests can give your listeners a pep talk about how to deal with this craziness. Anyway, sorry for the rant. Just hoping you give me a little (coughs) boost of morale because I'm feeling more isolated and hopeless than ever before in relation to all these conspiracy worries. And I consider myself a conspiracy research pro. Hoping... Some new perspectives on information can brighten my outlook. Take care, Dan. I can't brighten your outlook, Dan. You're pretty spot on with most of that shit. 
I mean, you could try to be positive. Keep a happy, think happy thoughts. I got the answer. No, he doesn't. Grandamerica.ca slash chats. Oh, that, that's a good one. Or Grandamerica.ca slash support. That helps too. It actually, it, it's been shown in studies <laughs> to fight depression. <laughs> also, so has, so science. has this. Here you go. Coming at you. If Murray supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> You take those good vibes, stick them in your pipe, smoke them. You'll feel much better, I promise. Don't take a picture of me. Fuck you. Um, what uh, What else you got? You going to do the quotes now? Should I replay the quote jingle, or can we just use the one from before? You no, said no, that I was going to stir up a bunch of so, segments, well, the thing but I is, don't see how well, it's going to... I was trying to say, go into the chats, because there's a lot of cool people oh. that's been very active lately. I can't even keep up on the chats, but it's a bunch of people in the Discord. They're sharing, talking about anything in a non-judgmental way. You'll find your peeps in there, and you'll get rid of this little... Well, Russ went up 14 levels in like a week, so... Wow, it's kind of gamified in there, too. Yeah, the Snake Brothers just joined us in there. They're participating. It's good to see but I've struggled with this because I saw this video from YouTube. It was kind of, uh, it was um, labeled wrong. Like it was labeled uh, deceivingly about chemtrails and it was a pilot. That's how we're talking with the chats. <laughs> the what? The chats. Yeah, yeah, we're oh. done. We're done that. No, I'm tired of you spun this in there. Graham is an all-in believer in chemtrails. I'm not, you know, so here's the thing, right? This geoengineering is, is what's going on. Okay. Now, some of it might be chemical trails but it's hard to know because this this pilot says you know he debunks the chemtrail thing but then he goes on to talk to his buddy right next to him who does weather modification like cloud seeding and stuff like that so they're spraying shit out for sure they're modifying weather for decades now lots of it the part about the chem and you know we've had jim liani talks about adding all those chemicals into the to the jet fuel we should have Jim Lee on again. We do, yeah. He debated somebody on chemtrails on sorry on geoengineering the other day. Uh, I got to watch it, but we should have him on again for sure. But the the thing that he's bringing up in this email, which makes it important to me, and which is that when we were in Colorado for contact at the cabin, there was some days of beautiful blue sky, like gorgeous, mm-hmm. and there was no planes. Like there was planes flying around with contrails, just dissipating. You know, one day after a few of those clear days, one day, which the temperature seemed the same. And I'm not saying there might, might be variations in wind and yeah, cold yeah. and hot up there in the atmosphere. It started it. to stick, mm-hmm. you know, persistent contrails, cloudy for the next few days. Snowy. Fucking miserable. Well, then, it, yeah, I mean, then it got really bad and started to snow and shit too. But there's patterns to this. And that's what I think... People don't understand the skeptics, the people that just think you're crazy or whatever. Like, why is it that you, you know, all of a sudden you start seeing spring and then it affects the weather, but then it, you know, the next day it doesn't happen or maybe it does, or, you know, it comes in patterns like this. Like this guy's saying that it goes for a few days and it stops, it clears up then before like a half a day's up, they start spraying again and then it gets all cloudy again. So... Yeah, I pulled up a couple of the emails I was saving and stuff because I, you know, I keep some of this handy. You're going to string it and, and there's chemtrail emails right now. 
No, no, it's no, it's not emails from listeners. It's just oh. I, I, I kind of keep a, you know. So there's so actually Joseph Farrell, he does a podcast. I think news from the Nefarium, and he had a great one recently. I'm gonna try and make a note here to link to it um, in the episode <clears throat> in the show notes. And he he talks about climate change. Glasses are off. Heads up. And men being a man, women and men, people being responsible, but not in the way we think because we've been geoengineering for decades. So since the 40s when they've been cloud seeding. So Joseph's on this on board now with all this geoengineering we've been doing that's been affecting the weather. If you look at the, the weather uh, change, it happens when we started geoengineering. It's pretty interesting. The correlation there so good to see some guys like joel on this joseph on this um joseph because it's happening over because we talk about Glass russia millions on. of fucking acres in russia 50 programs going on in the states all over europe there's companies geo you know weather modification inc so there's a guy here says weather weapons and then this is the other part are real, they have a treaty to regulate them. This is an article I'll put in the show notes as well. And it says, this is Harold Save. He says, there's a sizable portion of our society who cannot grasp the reality of weather altering devices and technologies, which have made us all unsure about which weather is real and which one is not. And this is what Joseph Farrell's talking about. All the weather anomalies that are going on in the world, what is that? What is that? You know, they're blaming it on climate. They're blaming us. And this is Joseph's big, big part in this, right? They're blaming mm. us, the peeps. The peeps. When really, we the peeps. It's, it's humans fucking around with the weather. So you don't know what weather is real and what's not. And he, he brings up all these examples of extreme weather everywhere. And oof. it's all fake. So the big, you know, this poses a big problem for those who understand how these weather devices are being used, but want to inform the public about the impending danger of the danger of the draconian laws that have been legislated based on false pretexts of global warming. And he goes into, um, <clears throat> he goes into this, you know, this is back talking about the harp stuff and how the harp got shut down. And I mean, I, this is sort of. Uh, review for a lot of people here, but weather warfare is the use of weather modification techniques such as cloud seeding for military purposes. And it talks about prior to the Geneva Convention that we used weather warfare in Vietnam. We've talked about that here a lot. Operation Popeye using cloud seeding over the Ho Chi Minh Trail. And that was a success. And the only reason it got brought to light is because of that one journalist that saw the paper. They also dropped salt on the air base during the siege of Kensa in an attempt to reduce the fog. And then there's a research paper for the United Air Force written in 1996 about the future of nanotechnology technology to produce artificial weather, clouds of microscopic computer particles, all communicating with each other to form an intelligent fog that could be used for various purposes. I mean, this is why people have that 3D battlefield conspiracy theory. Artificial weather technologies... Uh, what does that mean? The above phrase, artificial weather technologies do not currently exist, is in disagreement to the statement made by the U.S. Air Force during a budget hearing for HARP. And they talk about HARP getting taken over <clears throat> or trying to get it to taken over because it's the most versatile weather weapon staring right at us right in plain sight. And there's a patent here. <laughs> 
So it says, for more in-depth study, you can refer to this U.S. patent 468-6605, and it's method and apparatus for altering a region in the Earth's atmosphere, ionosphere, and or magnetosphere. So they're saying that that uh, has to do with HARP, and they're trying to get uh, get this thing running for different purposes. But they're making com- comparisons to uh, this being a versatile weather weapon that can... I don't want to get into the details of that, I don't think, right now. Oh, and then the other article that I forgot to bring up was talking about electrifying water water crystals in this cloud seeding. So now they're trying, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not electrifying. So they could make fake lightning? Oh, maybe. That's interesting. I wonder if that's... uh, So so they're talking about, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not electrified, but electrical... Electric. Or something else. Coal. Yeah. Anyways, they're talking about doing the water droplets now for the for the cloud seeding like that. Electric water outlets. No. Electric electrified water droplets. Yeah. That yeah electrified scary. water droplets. Yeah. Bzz, bzz. Just give you little shocks when they hit you. Bzz, bzz, bzz. Ow. Ow. <laughs> You're the fly getting buzzed. By and the then buzzer. the scary part. I mean, this is really the scary part. You know. We've heard, we've all heard Harvard, and then, and this guy mentions it as well in his email to us. Thanks, Dan. Uh, Professor David Keith admits that many thousands will die from Harvard's solar geoengineering program. And I mean, this is like, this is, this is true. I'm going to play a clip here. Here, do you give me the clip? Ugh. This is probably going to be a train wreck. See if this works. Oh, there we go. Okay, ready? So this is, uh, as if geoengineering hasn't been going on for decades, this is why air pollution is now the biggest cause of death worldwide. And where that that comes from, but this is sort of scary here. Let me play this clip for you. You might end up killing many tens of thousands of people a year as a direct result of that decision. I made a decision, or there was a collective decision, to do a geoengineering program, and you put, say, um, the kind of program I think makes more sense, we put about a million tons a year in, but let's say. The program I think makes more sense is to put a million tons a year in this guy. You might end up killing many tens of thousands of people a year as a direct result of that decision. In 2018, scientists will take bold steps to explore a technology that could reverse the effects of climate change. It's an engineering project that would literally touch every living thing on the planet. Like you see the look in his eyes, he's fucking crazy. Cry, cry. Geoengineering is the pioneering science that could well be on everyone's lips in 2018. The idea of geoengineering is the idea that humans purposefully influence the climate of the planet. Like they haven't been doing that for fucking decades. There's documents all over the place. Introducing a substance into the stratosphere that will cool down the planet by reflecting back sunlight. Cool down the planet. Sun a little bit, and that brings the Earth's energy more into balance, and that could reduce some of the risks like extreme storms or extreme temperatures. Exactly. Okay, so what do we do? So the other thing is horrifying. It is that you could actually spray sulfuric acid in the stratosphere, 20 kilometers over our head, and use that to stop the planet warming up. And a kind of ugly tech fix. You could you can spray some atmosphere to change. Okay, okay. Spray pollution into the atmosphere to stop it warming. What a great idea. Collective decision like what? to do a geoengineering program, and you put, say, uh, the kind of program I think makes more sense. 
Okay, we don't need to hear that part again. I mean, am I? Is this crazy talk or what? Why are we messing with the weather that much? Because we're fucking stupid. You know, and messing with the atmosphere. Yes. Because we might actually be, if they paid attention to the sun, like some people say, we might be going into a little ice age here. Yeah. But yeah, there was a mile of ice here 11,000 years ago. It's warming. Not 11,000. There's three or 400 feet <laughs> less water, right? Yeah, it was more like 14,000. No, it was uh, 12,000, 13,000. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. I just, it, I don't know. It bugs me, man. It bugs yeah, me a lot. Yeah, it seems like it. That we're messing with the weather systems. I mean, it's bad enough little cloud seeding <clears throat> operations and stuff like that that are going on all over the world. You should run for politics on that platform. Stop the geoengineering? Yeah. We're going to kill tens of thousands of people? Don't go to the chats. Oh, it's unbelievable. Drives me nuts. <laughs> Uh, sounds I got, like it. I got leftover. I, I got leftover stuff for ge my geo engine, my old weather modification segment. We should bring up again. I got all the patents still there and stuff. We should go over that. And again. You always get to seem to get a little tired of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what next, guy? Oh, I, I got a quote. Oh, for you want fuck's the quote? sakes. You want to do that quote jingle? This is what I fucking put up with. This is for you, buddy. This is a quote for you. I got one lined up just for you. No, it's not working because you got the fucking cord. <laughs> oh, it's too late. What time is it? Yeah, it's a late one. Saturday night, 12 o'clock, something like that. The profound quote of the week. Darren, can you guess it? It's the profound quote of the week. Can you guess the human who spoke it or wrote it down? Profound quote of the week. All right, thanks. Nice jingle. The American Medical Association is not prepared to state that no harm will be done to any person by water fluoridation. The AMA has not carried out any research work, either long-term or short-term, short regarding the possibility of any side effects. Robert F. Kennedy. No. <laughs> Dr. Joseph Flanagan, Assistant Director of Environmental Health. Ah. Should have known it was Flanagan. Environmental Health American Medical Association. But here's the special one for you. For me? Yeah. Just for me? Yeah. And, and Ben. And Ben? I am pro-vaccine. I had all six of my children vaccinated. I believe that vaccines saved millions of lives. So let me explain why I edited the book Thimerosal. Let, me, let the science speak, which exposes the dangerous and wholly unnecessary use of the mercury-based preservative thimerosal and vaccines being given to millions of children and pregnant women here and around the world. Vaccines are big business. Pharma is a trillion dollar industry with vaccines accounting for 25 billion in annual sales. CDC's decision to add a vaccine to the schedule can guarantee its manufacturer millions of customers and billions in revenue with minimal advertising or marketing costs and complete immunity from lawsuits. High stakes and the seamless marriage between big pharma and government agencies have spawned an opaque and a crooked regulatory system. 
Merrick, one of America's leading vaccine outfits, is currently under investigation for deceiving FDA regulators about the effectiveness of its MMR vaccine. Two whistleblowers say Merck ginned up sham studies to maintain Merck's MMR monopoly. Big money has fueled the exponential expansion of CDC's vaccine schedule since 1988 when Congress's grant the immunity from lawsuits suddenly transformed vaccines into pay dirt. CDC recommended five pediatric vaccines when I was a boy in 1954. Today's children cannot go to school without at least 56 doses of 14 vaccines by the time they're 18. An insatiable pharmaceutical industry has 271 new vaccines under development in CDC's bureaucratic pipeline in hopes of boosting vaccine revenues to $100 billion by 2025. The industry's principal spokesperson, Dr. Paul Offit, says he believes children can take as many as 10,000 vaccines. Robert F. Kennedy. <laughs> yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, what next? That puts kind of things into perspective too, you know? We, Fuck yeah. It's funny, we don't trust big pharma with other things, but oh yeah, hundreds of vaccines are fine. Support the show. Yeah. support. We just recorded a couple new black budget shows yeah. earlier tonight. Get into controversial so, stuff so that we'll get fucking banned for. banned for. So we'll be restarting the black budget feed after a little hiatus. We were busy with the last conference. Anyway, that, we, like I say, recorded some shows tonight. We'll record some more next week. Keep that shit going. Yeah, we're going to try going for two weeks for a while here. Oh, yeah. That's, or at least, that's I mean, well, we're pumping out more. I mean, you know, you said two weeks on the two last week. episode. And I'm we're thinking gonna, it's going to be the month of like, July, we're going to do two weeks. And then it'll probably go down to like two a week for every two weeks. After that, it's going to go down to one a week. Because what did we say in the last episode? We said we need to get 100 new patrons. And we'll oh, yeah, stick yeah, to we're going it. for 100. Yeah, and then we'll, then we'll stick to it. So if we're going to go two a week for July, and if we get 100 new patrons, we'll keep going two a week. And you better not all be $1 patrons, because that would be a real kick in the junk. We don't want to do more work for an extra $100 a month. We're hoping we can get enough here to uh, rent, pay the rent and everything I mean, else. We, could, we pay the rent now, but yeah. you know, we could barely. We could use to do, pay the rent and a little more. Start saving some money. We'd like to start saving some money so we're prepared for some things. We've got some plans, yeah. some things we'd like to do. Yeah. It costs money. Everything else costs money. It all costs money. I mean, honestly, uh, if it wasn't for the people that are, are providing the value that we get now that help us pay the bills, uh, there wouldn't be a show at this point. Definitely wouldn't be ramping up to two shows a week. I mean, that means the hosting bill is going to double uh, over at Libsyn. Uh, so, yeah, and basically we're going to try. Uh, there's been a bit of a, a slowdown in, in support the last couple of months, so... Instead of bitching and complaining, we're just going to try and throw more content at you. So we're going to just up our game and up our value, and we're going to see if twice as much value, twice as many interviews, twice as much free shows, twice as much content. Uh, Maybe for a, tw- it might not for be a month. twice as much. It might be like for a month, seventy percent. You know, and that's less. No, seventy percent more. Oh, an extra seventy uh, percent. And we'll see what that's if if the value is uh, received with more value. Here's the problem with twice as much because if one interview falls through, which seems to happen every month or two, then we're fucked. So, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Better not cashew eat my cashews. 
Um, so GoodAmerica.ca slash support. We're going to start uh, starting now. This is one of them. The two weeks starts with this episode coming out on Tuesday or some shit. Uh, GoodAmerica.ca slash support. Let us know you liked it. Hit the Patreon button. Of course, you always hit the Stripe and the PayPal, too, just for fun. Sign up for a monthly. Show us that you appreciate the extra episodes. Everybody will just roll it back next month to one a week. It's easier. Um, <clears throat> what else we got? That's, oh, then you get the Black Budget Show, too. You sign up. Get the Black Budget Show. Super duper. We could use it. We could use support. We love yous because we need it. We need it. Support helps us pay the bills. Helps us stay on track. Helps the internet keep going. If the you know the internet bill don't get paid, that's it. Game over. Yeah, unfortunately, there's a lot of monthly bills and yeah, you know, stuff up. keeps going. <clears throat> yeah, broken cords. I tried to stop running mine over with my. You know, chair. the ones that are hooked up to the headphones are amazingly versatile. Yeah, compared to the the yeah. rest of them. Uh, of course, the other thing is we did uh, officially announce the, the next contact at the cabin last week. We got uh, early bird registration going until uh, July 8th. And then we'll have the website going and all that. Uh, if you're interested in getting on the early bird list, I mean, I've already got interest from 17 or 18 people, and there's only 35 spots. This is a single trimester event, April 16th to 18th, 2020, with Dave Matheson, Brandon Powell. Down in uh, sunny Utah, we're going to do some stargazing in Bryson, Bryson Zion Canyons. We've got, uh, we're looking at the places in Duck Creek, which is halfway between, it's about an hour from Bryce and an hour from Zion. So we're going to go, us and the Snake Bros and Brandon, we're all going to meet up in Vegas. We're going to rent some vans. We're going to pick all you guys up there. Anyone who wants a free ride can meet us in Vegas. Comes with Not in Vegas, at the airport. At the airport in Vegas, at the airport, which we would directly leave from. Probably hit, uh, grab some supplies in Nevada. And then we'll hit the road into straight to the, our venue in Duck Creek. Yeah, we want to get this one sorted so that we can start making plans for other ones as well. Like the fastest we get this, faster we get this one kind of, you know, at least dialed in with the deposit down and the house rented and all that, then we can. We can move on to the next one. Those are some great ideas. We yeah, we got awesome. some great ideas. We're looking at doing a few of these things next year. And I know you guys are asking math, and like I say, it's a single trimester event, so it's going to fill up a lot quicker than the other ones. Uh, this time, like I say, we're going to offer all your meals and transport to and from Vegas. So it can be for and your park entry. So it can be, uh, I mean, technically you probably show up with not too much money in your pocket and be okay. Uh, so if you're interested in that, I mean, the website will be up soon. Contact at the cabin.com. But for now, you just got to shoot me an email, darrenacromerica.com. If you're interested, get you on the list. Like I say, that's about halfway full already with, uh, uh, with just the waiting list. I mean, those people haven't actually made a deposit yet, but I get the sense this thing could be filled up by the end of July or by the end of August for sure. So I wouldn't fuck around. What else? That's about it, buddy. That's it. Yeah. Thanks. Hopefully Ben oh. enjoys this. What? No, I was going to do the, the, the I, I, I broke the screen on the studio phone. So if you've text or left a voice, really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> too bad to even like, Anyway, I got to take it and get it fixed. Well, I got a, I got an extra phone. If you want to buy it off, if the show wants to buy it off me. I got an old six. Is it unlocked? Can we just slide the SIM card in it? Uh, that SIM card I from that I think I get one? that yeah, one probably. fixed for 90 bucks. 
No, just buy it. Pay me my pay me ninety, and I'll give it. I'll give it to you. Maybe or one hundred fifty. Oh, I see. <laughs> For America.ca slash support. Um, but yeah, so if you text or left a voicemail and we haven't acknowledged it, that's because the phone's broken. I broke the phone. I'm sorry. I, actually, I got it with I'll show it to you. I got it with me. Well, we could just slide in the SIM card see what happens. Okay. Uh, maybe not tonight. It's midnight. Uh, that's it. Enjoy the interview with Ben Greenfield. We waited a while for it. Yeah, it's thanks great for coming one. on, Ben. Uh, and Jen, enjoy the two shows, we, two shows a week for a little while here. Oh, man, there's so much great stuff here. Check out the show notes. All the stuff uh, we just rambled off will be in the show notes. You can go through that shit one by one. Check it off. Enjoy the chat. Ben Greenfield. Greenfield. So today, in the afternoon, Saturday afternoon, we have Ben Greenfield here. Super excited about this chat. He's the founder and CEO of Keon and also the host of the Ben Greenfield podcast. He's truly an amazing athlete and he's on the leading edge of self-quantification, biohacking, health and wellness and fitness. He's also a certified coach for Spartan SGX and a mass, he's got a master's in physiology and biomechanics. And uh, yeah, we're super happy to hear uh, have you here, Ben. Thanks for coming on. Thanks. But my office isn't as cool as your guys'. Oh, I think it's all, way cooler, dude. Shit around there. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. I forgot. Right it, now, I, like, <laughs> I forgot in the intro. He's also a. He makes his own spam, so he's got a special yeah. place in our heart. <laughs> well, it's Here's a synchro that he just made the spam a too. Can of spam on your table, <laughs> along with your freaking sacred geometry poster or whatever that is, and the mold and the little Native American blanket and. All sorts of stuff. It looks like a fun place. We'll have to get you in studio sometime. We're only about five hours from Bonner, so. Oh, yeah. I get really bored and want to go on a pretty long car ride. I'll get across the border. So you're you're joining us from your uh, fitness studio, which is like you're walking on a treadmill right now, and uh, this is how you do it, eh? <laughs> Actually, I, this is not my fitness studio. I just slapped a treadmill in front of my standing desk so I could walk while I make phone calls and do stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I uh, honestly, like any given day, I can usually walk like three to five miles while I'm just kind of dicking around at work. So kind of nice to be able to, to move during the day. But I have, an, I have an actual gym out in the backyard with a bunch of stuff out there. I was out there this morning. My legs are sore because I was doing this uh, this weird workout. It's like electrical muscle stimulation mm -hmm. where you slap all these electrodes all over your legs. And then you 
jacked this. It, it was designed in Russia. It's called a uh, Russian uh, e-stem, and it uses like this DC current to just pull all the muscles your brain wouldn't normally be able to recruit to action. And it is super duper hard, and you can barely walk afterwards. So I, I did that this morning, and then I can also barely walk right now because I was telling you guys I made my kids carrot cake acai bowls for breakfast. Uh, and they're, they're really good. It was like eating pumpkin pie for breakfast. And I put like macadamia nuts and dark chocolate and coconut flakes and all sorts of stuff on top of it uh, and, and made these wonderful acai bowls for them, but they only eat about half of them. So I also had, had a great big acai bowl and then all my kids left over acai bowls. So my legs are all jacked from the electrical muscle stimulation and my stomach is like overflowing with carrots right now. So I feel pretty good. Nice. We used to have a standing desk in the studio when we when we were in our old studio there. We had when Graham was on his health kick, we yeah. had the standing desk and everything, but they got back on the wheat and we are sitting down again. There you go. With spam. With yeah. spam. There's probably wheat in this spam, I bet. I think, they usually figure out how to put wheat in something. Yeah, exactly. If not, you could buy some gluten powder and sprinkle it on there later. <laughs> I think I heard you talking about uh with one of your guests that it's like every 25 minutes you kind of switch things up a little bit. So it's like the important thing is not that sitting is so bad, but it's just that you're not doing anything for that long of a period of time. Yeah. And they, they actually looked into this. They found that even people who exercise, like do their one hour of, of CrossFit or the health club or whatever at the beginning or the end of the day, they actually didn't see a significant reduction in most of the causes of mortality and cardiovascular risk if they were still sitting for eight hours a day. Right. And so the idea is not that sitting is bad, but sitting for long periods of time can be detrimental to your blood glucose, uh, specifically because standing upregulates your ability to be able to stabilize your blood glucose and walking does it even more, uh, but also because it shortens your hip flexors when you're sitting. And so when you shorten your hip flexors, what that does is it deactivates your, your glutes. And so when you shorten your hip flexors and deactivate your glutes, that's a fast track to low back and hip issues. So the trick is not to avoid sitting, but to have all sorts of different postures you can adopt during the day, sitting, kneeling, uh, sitting cross-legged, uh, in a lunging position, having like a different type of chair you could sit on. Like I've got one called a saddle chair. It kind of like splits your pelvis a little bit when you're sitting and forces you into a better posture. Maybe a treadmill if you have room, you're able to slap one in there. And then like one of these desks that could preferably go from like sitting to standing. So yeah. you can just kind of kind of boogie all day long in different positions. And there's another, uh, there's a biomechanist out of Seattle named Dr. Katie Bowman, who even has some, uh, some research she's published in one of her last books. I forget the name of the book, but it kind of shows the, the turbulence in different areas of uh, blood vessels as they move through your body. And she even makes an argument in that book that sitting all day and then exercising could probably be worse for you than not exercising at all because the blood, as it passes those areas of almost like kinked blood vessels that kind of get, they, they lose their elasticity as you're sitting all day long, could put you at higher risk for a heart attack if you're sitting all day and then going and just like crushing it at the gym. Uh... But yeah, the, the trick is not to not sit but just to, to not sit for really long periods of time without breaks. And generally I'll sit 
anytime I want to be in a little bit more of a parasympathetic state, like a rest and digest state, right? So I'll sit to eat and I'll sit to, to chat with people and, you know, like if I'm at a party, you know, I'll lounge on the couch and sit with people. But, you know, anytime I'm working, I'm generally, generally not sitting with the only exception of that being, I like to write fiction, like at the end of the day. And I have like my special chair, like my set and setting in the living room where I'll go and bang out some fiction, just kind of sitting hunched over my computer. Right on. Yeah. I used to write as a kid, didn't you? A little bit like we, I was reading your bio beforehand as well. And I didn't know all of this, uh, even after listening to you for a few years, but it seemed like your life kind of switched around after, uh, in your early twenties, getting into becoming more of an athlete and, and studying all that stuff, as opposed to like the way you kind of grew up as a teenager. Yeah. Well, actually it was more like when I was in, in my elementary years up until I was about 13, I was very much into fiction. Uh, my goal was to be a computer programmer and design video games. Like I was into fantasy fiction, video games, online world of Warcraft, and right, yeah. writing fiction, reading fiction. And then I, I got kind of carried away with sports, particularly tennis. And that's what kind of got me into physical culture and fitness and nutrition and physiology and all the stuff I wound up studying at university. But up until that point, yeah, I was, I was pretty hardcore into fit. Like I, I read so much as a kid, I would just like my parents would have to force me out of my room and into the sunshine. Cause I would just sit and read all day long. And I've kind of tapped back into that in my thirties. Um, I like to read fiction and I, I wrote a, a fiction novel, a fantasy fiction novel last year. I'm about halfway through the, the sequel to that. And my goal is to have a five part fiction book series done by the time I'm 50 years old. So nice. that's, that's what I'm hanging away at. Hopefully that, hopefully we get, hopefully I hope you get there. I want to roll it back a bit. You made the comment about, uh, the sitting and the lower back and the shortened, uh, hip flexors. Uh, that's like, I, I struggle with that problem. And I spend a lot of time in a vehicle during the day and sometime at a desk, but I do get a lot of walking in there. But I definitely noticed that, especially like we just went to Colorado and back and that was about, you know, I think it was about 3,500 miles return trip and, and sightseeing and everything else. And I'm just wondering, what are some of the ways you can, if, if you're like, if you already have that problem with the lower back and the hip pain, uh, and that probably is the result of that, what's some of the, the ways to roll that back? Yeah, I kind of chunk it into two categories, uh, one mobility and two movement. So mobility means like if the hip flexors are shortened and typically two other muscles that, that act technically they're hip flexors, but they kind of go all the way up into your abs, your, your psoas and your iliacus muscles, those tend to be really shortened as well. Typically the trick, first of all, from a mobility standpoint is you get into all those muscles on the front of your hips, like starting up around where, where, where your quads attach into your hips and kind of moving all the way up into some of those parts around either side of your belly button. And you get in there with like a, like a foam roller or a lacrosse ball, or there's even, there's a newer device that just came out last year. It's like this cheap ass looking piece of plastic. I think they sell it for like 40 bucks. They probably get it manufactured for like $2 in Taiwan or something, but <laughs> it works. It's, it's called a, it's called a so right, a PSO right, like so ass, right. And you kind of lay your body over that and it digs like perfectly into some of those areas that tend to get super short when you're in that seated position. And a lot of people, they think my low back hurts, so I should like 
foam roll my low back or get a massage on my low back. But nine times out of 10, the area you should be working is all the front, like from the sides of the belly button all the way on down to like the front of the quads. Like that's the area that tends to be shortened and adhesed. So you do that. And then also from a mobility standpoint, any like if you Googled like yoga hip flexor series or yoga hip opener series, like typically any of those kind of moves they do in yoga to free up the hips, like some of those lunges where you have your arms up in an overhead position while you're lunging or some of the laying on the ground hip openers, those work really well if you're kind of mobilizing your your psoas and your iliacus at the same time with deep tissue work. And then from a movement standpoint, uh, you you turn the glutes back on and there's a there's a lot of different moves you can do for your glutes like squats and lunges and stuff like that but uh two, two of my favorites are number one you just get down in like a crawl position on the ground like a quadruped position like you're going to go bear crawl or something and from that position you just like kick your right leg out behind you as many times as you can like 30 times then you reverse and you kick your left leg out behind you then you kick your right leg kind of out to the side and your left leg out to the side. So essentially you're in like a bear crawl position, just like moving your legs and you'll know you're doing it right. Cause your glutes start to burn like hell. And that kind of trains your body how to turn glutes back on. The other one that I really like from a movement standpoint is there's this doctor that used to work with a bunch of the tour de France cyclists who would have low back pain. He worked with Lance Armstrong. He works with a bunch of pro athletes and surfers and stuff now specifically on low back pain and he like specializes in turning the glutes back on his name is dr eric goodman he has a book called true to form and that book true to form it's got like 10 exercises in it that are super simple to learn and to memorize and a lot of times what i'll have people do like clients that i'm coaching i do this with myself as well is i'll just kind of weave those 10 exercises in throughout the week if i'm like taking a little break from work or if I'm waiting for, for an airplane to take off and I'm at the gate or whatever, I don't really have any rhyme or reason. But those those moves do a really good job turning on the glutes. So basically that's what it comes down to is you mobilize kind of the whole front area and you do like some yoga hip openers and, and yoga hip moves. And then you also do something like those kickouts from a bear crawl position. And then also you grab a book like that true to form book and learn some of those moves. Awesome. That makes a lot of sense because you know what I've noticed lately is you know how you get your shoulders get hunched in from, mm -hmm. from life. And then uh, when Lisa and I massage each other, we started doing some massaging on the inside here as well. And you, you get, it's, you know, it really makes a difference in, in bouncing those shoulders back. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, like with the upper back and the shoulder posture, like a lot of people don't realize how tight their, their pec majors are. And it, I mean, if you ever had a massage therapist kind of work in that area under the clavicle and kind of around the, the inside crease of the shoulder where the shoulder kind of attaches to your chest, like all that stuff tends to be super ropey and knotty and jumpy. And if you can get in there, I mean, you could do it yourself, but you know, but the other one that I like to do for that area is if you have a foam roller, you kind of put it underneath your back, like up around your upper back and then just kind of lean back. And you let your arms go like this for anybody watching the video. I'm just kind of letting my arms kind of reach back behind me and you press them into the floor as hard as you can like this and just kind of opens up that whole area. But if you have the foam back like a fulcrum, 
it allows you to really open up that area. And if you do that after you've gotten your pecs massaged or after you've kind of massaged your own pecs with a, with a foam roller or a lacrosse ball or whatever, that can just like mobilize that whole area too. Mine won't even reach the ground when I do that. I can't even get my elbows to the yeah. ground. That's yeah, terrible. see, that should be your goal. Should be to get the elbows to the ground. And if you can't, you can even stand against the wall yeah. and do that. Like you have your back touching the wall and your heels touching the wall, and then you put your arms back behind you like that, and you just try to get the backs of your hands to touch the wall. Yeah, and then you just push against the wall as hard as you can for like ten seconds, and it kind of opens up the shoulders. Hmm. I'll have to try that. So we were talking about uh, wheat a little bit, uh, how they managed to sneak a little bit of wheat and everything. We've got uh, some... some Did you say wheat or wheat? Wheat, yeah. wheat. Well, but, well, those are kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, am I? These days with CBD, they're putting that in it, everything too. Yeah. What's your take? Well, what's your take on that? On CBD? Yeah. I, I like it. I'm, I mean, not just CBD, but like CBN and CBG and all these other cannabinoids that they're that they're isolating from the hemp plant. They all have specific properties like anti-inflammatory or anti-anxiety or anti-stress. Like, I think, A, it's a huge joke that there's like grandmas getting arrested in airports for having, you know, CBD tinctures or CBD, you know, lotions that they're using on themselves uh, when it's a completely harmless molecule you know in the same airports where they're selling people booze you know yeah which is killing and harming a lot more people than something like cbd as a matter of fact cbd is i think zero zero um incidences ever of any type of of toxicity or, or death related to it um but it's it's uh it, it's a molecule that really interacts you know the endocannabinoid system with our endocrine system with uh, a lot of different anti-inflammatory pathways, with a lot of different neurotransmitter pathways related to relieving anxiety and stress. Um, I take CBD every day. Like before I go to bed at night, I take 60 to 100 milligrams of CBD and I sleep like a baby. And I measure my deep sleep cycles and they're through the roof. And I don't, I don't do a lot of THC. Um, I'll occasionally throw that in the mix. Like if I'm Cause I don't, I don't really like to drink alcohol much, right? So if I'm going to a party or something like that. Like I'll just eat an edible or, you know, take a couple hits on a, on a vape pen rather than you know, drinking to excess. But, um, you know, THC is something I'll, I'll use in a situation like that. But CBD, uh, man, I, I think it's a, it's a wonderful molecule. I think it's, it's helping a lot of people out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I would agree with that. What about the, uh, the, the other one, the wheat because we've yeah. noticed in our family recently that I mean Lisa can't touch it, and uh, and uh, it, it definitely looks like Cassandra's got some issues. So we actually met a guy in Colorado who deals with it in his family, and he's recommended some genetic tests you can get done for fairly cheap to see if you have a couple. Uh, yeah. I'd have to look at the the info to say exactly, but uh, it's a couple of markers that you have, and they basically say you should be staying away from it. Uh, I'm just wondering. I'm assuming, if I remember correctly, I don't think you go too near too near wheat very often. Well, it depends on the person. Like you're right that you can just go and get like a 23andMe test, for example, like a simple salivary analysis, and see if you carry specific SNPs that tend to be associated with celiac predisposition or you know an actual true medical uh, inflammatory response to some of the gluten proteins that are specifically in wheat. Um, you can also get a really good food allergy panel that tests whether or not you have a true antibody 
response to wheat. There's a very good one. Uh, it, it's unfortunately not one of those type of tests you can order to your house, like a genetic test, but it's one that a doctor would have to order for you. But I find a great deal of value in this test. It's a company called Cyrex, C-Y-R-E-X. And they do a very comprehensive panel that shows whether or not you you have any type of true sensitivities to gluten. And they also test what's called cross-reactivity, meaning they'll test whether or not certain foods that you might consume along with wheat would render you more susceptible to the damage that could do to the gut, like coffee or, or corn or something like that. So uh, they have a whole bunch of different, they call them arrays, like panels that they that they run. There's like 22 different panels, you know, some for mold, um, so, some for uh, other, other allergies aside from wheat. But the one that I really like is they have one that's number 10. And the Cyrex panel 10, I think, is like the gold standard to see whether or not your body could truly be able to to handle gluten or whether it might be something that's smart for you to avoid. Uh, but I think in most cases, you know, wheat and gluten is kind of unfairly vilified. It's something that, you know, humans have been eating for thousands of years. Our guts have, have adapted pretty well to being able to digest, you know, a lot of the things that people call the natural built-in plant defense mechanisms that you'd find in wheat, uh, you know, like the gluten or the the phytic acids or things like that. I think the problem is a lot of people have compromised guts, right? And I think one of the biggest issues, and I think this is also why people who travel to Europe can handle more pasta and more bread and things like that when they're there than they can in America yeah. is because of glyphosate, because glyphosate can, it essentially, you know, activates a, a protein in the gut called zonulin and can render the gut a little bit more permeable to things like gluten crossing the blood-gut barrier and causing an, an, an actual antibody response, right? An, an actual immune response to the consumption of gluten. And so I think consuming wheat from a crop that's been sprayed with glyphosate or any no, number of other different herbicides or pesticides is a bigger issue. And if you have access to like organic non-GMO wheat, uh, it's probably not going to be as big of an issue. And furthermore, we have evidence you know, that, that not just like you know, quinoa, for example, like rinsing and soaking and even sprouting quinoa or, um, or fermenting and soaking lentils prior to cooking, you know, doing a lot of things uh, to deactivate the natural built-in defense mechanisms of a plant are something that our ancestors would have done. You know, it's, it's a natural way to actually prepare a plant, you know, just like whatever, walk out into a field of wheat and just like start to eat the stalks or you're going to get a tummy ache. I mean, even animals know that. But, you know, in, in addition to that, the other thing is that, you know, a, a lot of a lot of people just don't prepare wheat in this ancestral way. And so what I mean by that is like, I'll eat bread but I'll eat like, if I'm going to have bread, I'll have sourdough bread, right? Because if sourdough bread has been fermented, that actually deactivates a lot of the phytic acids. It pre-digests a lot of the gluten. It even lowers the glycemic index of the bread. So it's friendlier to your blood glucose levels. So for me, it all depends. If it's like a non-GMO organic crop, hasn't been sprayed with herbicides or pesticides or glyphosate, preferably has been fermented. And I think wheat is not that much of an issue, yeah. especially in people who don't have compromised guts and they're not eating a crappy diet and they, they actually have the ability to be able to digest it. So that's kind of like, I was actually talking to a fellow there a couple weeks ago, um, who I don't want to guess his name, 
John. <laughs> uh, anyway, Jeff, I think it was a J. Anyway, he was talking about one of the ways, because white rice is a, it turns into a sugar right away, if I understand that process correctly. But he was talking about how you can cook the rice, throw it in the fridge for a day or two, and it actually reverses that and turns it into a prebiotic. Yeah, it, it basically makes the starch more resistant. Another example, like a resistant starch, would be like a green banana versus a ripe banana. Green bananas tend to simply be fed upon by the bacteria in your stomach, and the sugar is less digestible and is and absorbable by the human body, hence its name, you know, resistant starch. Another example would be like uh, acacia fiber or inulin or many of these ingredients you'll now see in a lot of popular probiotics because we know these are prebiotics. They'll feed the bacteria rather than feeding you, and when the bacteria are fed, they wind up producing... Another term is called postbiotics, which are beneficial compounds that are released when a bacteria consumes a prebiotic. Like a perfect example of that uh, would be like, um, you know, another resistant starch kind of prebiotic is uh, the the skin of a pomegranate, right? And so, you know, a few of my favorite probiotics, now they're using pomegranate seed extract and pomegranate skin blending that in with the probiotics, you've got a prebiotic and a probiotic. The postbiotic that's produced by a bacteria, when that happens, is called urolithin A. And urolithin A is actually one of, the, one of the few compounds that is released by probiotics that can actually increase lifespan. It decreases the rate at which your telomere shorten and it has like this longevity-enhancing effect. So it's kind of cool if you think about it, if you eat a diet that has some resistant starches in it, like green bananas or pomegranates or like some of that rice that you prepare, but then refrigerate and then eat after it's been cooled overnight, and you're including fermented foods or probiotics in your diet as well, not only is it fantastic for your gut, but it might even have kind of a life extending effect. Hmm, that's interesting. So I went about four months, <clears throat> about actually, are you, are you there, Ben? I think you're a little frozen there. I've lost the connection. Yeah, I'm there. Okay. I went about four and a half months off of most sugar, like most processed sugar and wheat. And then since our trip and we got back and I started eating a little bit and then I played hockey and I was so fucking sore after the hockey game. And I wondered if that's because I started eating wheat and sugar again. Well, especially wheat that's like four hours from from grain to bag. You know, I think that's a huge problem is the industrialization of it all. Yeah, a lot of people do have like an inflammatory cytokine response to wheat. And that's why many people who have uh, both rheumatoid arthritis and even some elements of osteoarthritis, they respond really well to kind of like more of a paleo protocol oh. where you eliminate a lot of a lot of modern grains that can cause that. Um, I also feel that, again, not to kick this horse to death, that a lot of those people could just benefit from making sure that their gut is taken care of, avoiding glyphosate sprayed crops. And, yeah. you know, if they were to eat, making sure it's, you know, prepared properly, like a, like a slow fermented bread or something like that. So friends of ours that are farmers, they, I mean, they've, they use some, uh, some pesticides, but they, they can't understand why people want to spray glyphosate, uh, pre-harvest like in canada they they want to spray it all to dry it out right before harvest but they they don't seem to think glyphosate is the same issue if it's used properly prior like as a as a as a pesticide allen brothers 
Do you, do you have any thoughts yeah. on that at all? No, I, I have no clue. They could yeah. be right. Yeah. I mean, they, they probably know a lot more about farming than I do, but all I know is that, you know, if, if it is actually on the, on the surface of the food that you're consuming, then it could be an issue. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's the same thing with some of the GMO crops. Like, you know, they, they know that some of the genetic modification has been able to cause a great deal of damage to the guts of, of, you know, like rodents and insects and things like that. And there's not a lot of good studies in humans, but my protocol, you know, I just play it safe. Yeah. Yeah. Just, totally. If I, if I can get my hands on something that hasn't been sprayed, I'd rather do that. Yeah. hundred percent. We got a question from the chats here. Uh, what is Ben's opinion on fitness trackers such as Fitbit, Apple Watch, and such? Are they worth the effort in using? Yeah, they they can be highly motivating. Like I wear I wear um, an Aura ring to track what well, tracks like my steps, tracks my sleep, it tracks my my heart rate variability, which is kind of like your nervous system health, and I find it motivating. Like I. I have found that I, I do a much better job, like limiting my artificial light exposure at night, wearing blue light blocking glasses in the evening and doing like some normal sleep hygiene stuff. Since I've done that and it sounds stupid, but mostly just cause I want to like have a good sleep score, like wake up and see my sleep score. And you'd think prior to having a ring like that or, or a tracker like that, I just want to do that just so I had better energy the next day. But I've found it's in, I'm I'm even more motivated to do that because I'm kind of competitive with myself and I like to keep my sleep score up. For another example, that would be, you know, like my blood glucose monitor. One of the main things I found with that is like if I eat on an airplane, you know, because you're sitting on an airplane, back to the topic of sitting and, you know, your blood glucose being less controllable when you're in a position. But when you're on an airplane, you're kind of screwed. You don't really have the option to, to stand. I actually usually choose a window seat because I kind of like to sleep on airplanes. I sleep better when I'm leaning my head against that wall that's by the window. So I'm trapped in there anyways. I can't get up and go to a bunch of fancy clown moves the back of the plane that frequently. But I noted when I started wearing a blood glucose monitor, like one of the best ways to spike my blood glucose and keep it up for a long time was if I ate on a plane in a seated position. Even healthy food, right? Like my healthy energy bar or a handful of nuts and dark chocolate or whatever. So by wearing that blood glucose monitor on planes, I'm just far more likely to like order a soda water and have a, have a soda water and chew some gum on the plane. Right. Or another example would be, I've found that like my sweet spot for activity with my tracker is about 15,000 steps a day. And if I get to the end of the day and I've got like whatever, 14,000 steps, I'll go like walk to the mailbox and back after dinner. Like it's, it's just highly motivating to have these trackers. And I think that the pros definitely outweigh the cons i would say the only thing and this is getting this is getting into the weeds a little bit and and some people consider this to be a little bit nitpicky is i'm also pretty careful like how much i expose my body to wi-fi and to bluetooth signals i just i have my reservations about whether or not long-term exposure to high amounts of uh so-called dirty emf is good for the body and so because I'm careful with that, I try to choose devices for self-quantification that either only emit a Bluetooth signal, not a Wi-Fi signal, and that preferably during a night of sleep, for example, could be placed into the equivalent of airplane mode, yeah. right? Disable the Bluetooth signal, disable the Wi-Fi signal. 
And a lot of these devices don't have that option, right? And so that means that, you know, let's say you have your, let's say you sleep like with your head kind of tucked up like this, and you've got one of those bracelets on and it's emitting like a, like a class three Bluetooth signal every three seconds looking for a device to talk to. Well, you've just basically got just like a transmitter next to your brain all night long. And I'm just, I'm concerned about the long-term effects of that. So I'd say if you are going to choose a a tracking device, I like the ones that can be put in airplane mode um, or, you know, and and especially you'd want to, you'd want to have your phone in airplane mode anyways, if it's next to your bed at night. But that's my only thing with trackers. I like them all. I just, I encourage people to find, find those we could disable like Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and stuff like that, especially while you're sleeping. Yeah, that's a really good point. I started doing airplane mode for sleeping, and it's made a big difference actually on my sleep and dreaming. Like I find like I dream more now on on airplane mode. So I did want to I did want to pick your brain a little bit about testosterone and and what you would say to like let's say parents of of young boys like boys let's say like eight to thirteen or something like that where you know their doctors are now telling them that you know, your, your son is not producing any natural testosterone and now they, they feel like they have to be on, um, <clears throat> hormone replacement therapy, or I don't even know if that's the right term for it, but, uh, yeah. on, on meds for life to, to create testosterone. Like, isn't there a bunch of natural things and some things that you would suggest that people do to, to, to do that? Yeah. For, for any parent of a little boy, I think the best thing to do is just get get testosterone and start injecting your kids right butt cheek every day it's like <laughs> jam a needle up there and fill them fill them full get them started early no, i'm just kidding um you know with, with kids and this is for both females and males um the bigger issue with kids is environmental estrogens right like what kind of shampoo are you using yeah with your kids uh, even your babies um, are you storing the food in the refrigerator in plastic? Are you microwaving stuff in styrofoam? Um, you know, are, are you just like spraying household cleaning chemicals all over the house that have a lot of endocrine disruptors in them yeah. and a lot of phytoestrogens in them? Because what will happen there is you'll simply decrease the amount of androgen receptors that are available to testosterone and fill a young man's body or a young woman's body just chock full of estrogen. It's one of the reasons that we see know, young females going through puberty at an earlier age is one of the reasons why we see young men experiencing symptoms of andropause uh, at an early age is because of phytoestrogens. And that's primarily a chemical type of issue. And there's a really good book about this by Dr. Anthony Jay called Estrogeneration that kind of gets into how we're kind of screwing our kids by not taking into account, you know, what kind of soaps and shampoos they're using, what kind of chemicals we're using to clean our houses, what kind of things we're storing our food in, Etc. So that's the big issue. You know, and for for adults, um, it, it can be other things. You know, for example, we know there are certain micronutrient deficiencies that can affect a man's ability to be able to produce testosterone that are low hanging fruit that don't involve you know you need to go out and buy some you know trendy Amazonian superfood to boost your testosterone levels. Like uh, examples of that would be zinc. A lot of guys are deficient in zinc that affects testosterone creatine which a lot of people think is just like a strength and power athlete supplement deficiency creatine that can also affect testosterone minerals like using a lot of sea salts and using a lot of trace liquid minerals and things like that mineral depletion is another thing that's very very important for testosterone and so you know as you can imagine it's pretty easy to get your hands on like zinc minerals and creatine 
and probably one final one I'd throw in there that would be magnesium. And, you know, a lot of times taking care of that low hanging fruit reduces the need to buy some crazy herb or start onto like a hormone replacement therapy. Uh, and then cortisol and stress are huge because, and I, I do a lot of consulting with people and look over their blood and their biomarkers. And I always see like this cluster of elevated cortisol, elevated sex hormone binding globulin mm-hmm. and pretty good total testosterone levels, but very low free bioactive testosterone levels. Cause what happens is when you're stressed out, your body elevates the levels of sex hormone binding globulin and that binds to sex hormones as the name implies. And when you bind to total testosterone, you render less of it free and active and bioavailable because frankly, your body, when cortisol is high and it's stressed out, it's like nature's response. It doesn't want a stressed out human who's like running from a lion or in a time of famine or whatever your body is interpreting that as from an evolutionary standpoint to go out and make babies, right? It doesn't want a human to bring babies into a stressed out environment. So it'll upregulate sex hormone binding globulin to decrease the free testosterone. Even if your brain is sending the signal to your testes, just fine to make total testosterone, it's rendering that not bioavailable. So the trick there is, you know, sleep well, de-stress, take care of cortisol levels, you know, pick up something like a, like a meditation practice or, you know, or breath work practice or other ways to control stress, which a lot of guys, they'd rather just take out a needle and jab their right butt cheek or slash some testosterone cream on their scrotum. But I mean, I, I think there's a lot more low hanging fruit that you can go after. And then the, the last thing, and there's a lot of stuff you could do. Uh, but the last thing I would say from an exercise standpoint, like I, I've noticed a lot of, a lot of guys will just do like, you know, whatever, you know, 40 minute slogs on the treadmill or, They'll do like a lot of endurance work or so-called chronic cardio. And a lot of that's not that great for testosterone levels. Your legs have a very high density of androgen receptors and the body from a testosterone standpoint responds really well to things like heavy deadlifts, heavy squats, heavy strength training in general, but especially heavy strength training and high intensity interval training that involves the legs, like sprints on the treadmill, quick sprints on the bike, squats, deadlifts, stuff like that. So if you take care of your cortisol and your stress, you take care of some of those micronutrients. And then a few times a week, you just like lift some heavy shit, especially with your legs and throw in some, some good solid sprints. You can see a pretty good bump up in, in uh, testosterone levels. What about squatting without weights? Just squatting to, to squat. Like that's what I do for, for a warm up for ball yeah. hockey. Instead of stretching now, I just do a bunch of squats and lunges and all that. Will that help? Yeah. Yeah. Any movement with the legs yeah. like that yeah. will help. Yeah. As I long mean, as it's not chronic preferable, cardio. Yeah. Preferable to go to failure if you can. Um, you know, with, with the body weight stuff, it can sometimes be hard to do that. Like yeah, yeah, a lot of guys yeah. can do like 50 100. or hundred body weight yeah. squats and it really doesn't feel like they're getting that level. So the trick here, this is like a little, little hack. I like, cause I, I, I throw these things in my bag when I travel, you can buy them on Amazon, but they're called blood flow restriction straps. They've got some really good research behind them for being able to build muscle and increase growth hormone, even in the absence of heavy weights. And they're literally like tourniquets that you wrap around your arms or you wrap around your legs prior to like a pull up, push up, squat, body weight exercise session. And you'll get like 20 reps into a body weight squat set and your legs are burning like hell. Like you have a 300 pound barbell on your back. And it's very simple. You're essentially just like restricting blood flow. And it's a cool way to feel like you're lifting really heavy weights, even if you're just doing like 
body weight only training. They're called, they're called uh, blood flow restriction straps. Awesome. Is there any, uh, any dietary tips for reducing cortisol? Um, there are some herbs that can help. Uh, some of the more notable ones would be like reishi mushroom extract. Uh, ashwagandha is another. There's a supplement called um, phosphatidylserine that's very, very effective at lowering cortisol levels. Um, cortisol is something that is elevated in response to inflammation. And two of the best ways to increase inflammation would be high amounts of processed sugar consumption and high amounts of vegetable oil consumption. So if you can, from one end, you know, consume some herbs or some compounds that help to regulate cortisol like ashwagandha or reishi or phosphatidylserine, and then at the same time, limit processed sugars and limit vegetable oils, you'd be covering a lot of your bases in terms of dietary control of cortisol. Cool. So I got a, I got a pretty complicated question here from my buddy, Mike, who's uh, been following your work and he's a, uh, he's a fellow biohacker enthusiast and all that. So if you have any questions about the question, I probably won't be able to answer, but I'm going to give this a shot. So he read a recent paper showing that senescent cells hyperaccumulate iron. And he noticed that cancer cells have the same feature. And this is one of the reasons that high dose IV vitamin C and the anti-malarial artemisinin are being studied as anti-cancer therapies. So they selectively mm-hmm. oxidize cancer cells by reacting with the high iron levels. And he thinks, do you think these could work as senolytics as well? Yeah, they potentially could because, you know, iron, which I used to think was, you know, as an endurance athlete, yeah. racing triathlon and stuff. I used to always look at my hemat, my hemoglobin, my hematocrit, my iron, my ferritin. And I'd be thinking, well, if it's high, that must be good because iron is one of the ways that my hemoglobin is carrying oxygen to deliver it the tissue, but it turns out that excess iron, uh, which a lot of guys actually have an issue with, is called hemochromatosis. That's actually an oxidant. It almost acts like a, like a rusting molecule within the human body and can result in the formation of what are called peroxide radicals, which is essentially like hydrogen peroxide type of compounds within the body that can cause damage to tissue and also play a role in the development of senescent cells that can lead to accelerated aging or the growth of cancerous cells or angiogenesis to cancerous cells. Or, or that, would, that would be like, like feeding of new blood vessels to cancerous cells. So the idea would be if you can limit or lower iron, the, uh, you know, we know that one of the worst things to do if you're taking an iron supplement is to take it with a vitamin C supplement because vitamin C will limit the absorption of the iron. You know, the same thing could be said for, say, like, you know, things that have phytic acid in them, like like grains would not be something you'd consume with an iron supplement. But if you can figure out ways to decrease your iron, it could be a longevity-enhancing mechanism and also an anti-cancer mechanism. Uh, in my opinion, even though there are a whole bunch of companies selling iron binders and, and iron detoxification protocols, uh, if, if a guy has elevated iron and elevated ferritin, I think going out and giving blood is the best way to reduce that. Huh. Um, and that's, it, it's cool because you're also doing humankind yeah. a service, right? Yeah. Like you're providing good blood and then you're also lowering your iron levels by providing blood. And, it, and it's also why men have a bigger issue with hemochromatosis or high iron compared to women. Cause you know, any, any woman who's not postmenopausal is a lot of times bleeding every month and guys, you know, unless, you know, we're like heavy endurance athletes that have a high red blood cell turnover 
or say maybe you could say like an MMA fighter, a warrior, or somebody might be wounded a lot. We're not bleeding that much. So the idea would be you give blood is almost like a life extending and cancer controlling strategy. So yeah, there is something to that thought pattern. Yeah. Interesting. So are we close to, or maybe we're even there, but I'm not aware of it, like a full genetic sort of panel and, and analysis on like ancestral diet potential and, and exercise regime kind of stuff. Like I've heard you talk about it a little bit on the show, but are we at the point where we could send like, let's say our blood in somewhere and get like a full blown sort of, you know, analysis to help with that. It's like diet, diet is so specialized and you've got all this keto versus uh, vegan stuff. And like, you know, I'm trying different things myself and it's just hard to figure out what, what really does work best. Like it's a, you know, it's, it's hard to analyze that on yourself. Yeah. Well, from a genetic standpoint, yes, that's a simple, and this technology has existed, you know, with, with, you know, um, not just 23andMe, but Ancestry and some of these other websites. Being able to trace your your ancestry is very simple. That's a simple salivary protocol. And a lot of times these salivary protocols also show you some things like we were talking about earlier, like predisposition to celiac disease or, you know, how well a job your body does handling caffeine or how well a job your body does handling saturated fats. And so if you're looking at not only where you came from, and then it's pretty easy via a little bit of Googling to see what those areas have eaten for thousands of years. And then you kind of fill in gaps by saying, okay, do I have any genetic predispositions? Like, even though maybe I come from a Northern European ancestry and I know that that butter and lard and things like that were part of that diet. Maybe I also carry the gene that dictates that I have a little bit of a deleterious response to saturated fats, Hmm. the APOE 3-4 or APOE 4-4 variant. Well, I'm going to eat a diet that is rich in meats and fish and tubers and uh, like salted and fermented foods. And a lot of these things my Northern European ancestors would have eaten but I'm going to limit the butter and the lard to no more than about 10% of my total dietary intake. And then you could take that one step further and say, okay, I'm also going to get, say, like one of these Cyrex food allergy panels I was talking about earlier. Yeah. And maybe it turns out that the green beans and the, the pumpkins, my Northern European ancestors would have eaten, and maybe one variant of fish, like let's say um, salmon, my body actually is allergic to. For some reason, I produce an antibody response to those. So yeah, I'm going to follow that diet that my ancestors ate, but I'm not only going to limit the saturated fats because of what I found out about my genetics, but I'm going to limit my intake of salmon and green beans and pumpkin too. And then finally, you could get a blood test. You could see, okay, in addition to that, turns out from my blood test, I'm low in vitamin D, I'm low in magnesium, and I'm low in vitamin B12. So I'm going to eat what my Northern European ancestors ate. I'm going to limit my saturated fats. Not going to do the green beans, salmon, and the pumpkin. And then the supplements that I take are going to be vitamin D, magnesium, and a vitamin B12 complex. Right? And then, boom, you've all of a sudden got a pretty good idea yeah. of how to customize your diet. And frankly, it's not like rocket science. It's pretty easy to get these tests, look at them, yeah. see what am I low in, or what am I genetically predisposed to not do well with, what my ancestors eat. Boom, done. And then you know whether or not that you know, ketogenic or carnivore or vegan diet that your neighbor is eating that helped them lose 20 pounds is good for them, but not good for you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. 
Hey, can you talk about what you're doing instead of the young blood transfer type thing, like sending your your blood somewhere else? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's okay. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, that young, that young blood transfer is nuts. Like, I interviewed those people from the Young Blood Institute. Yeah. I was blown away. They were showing me pictures of the blood bags from, like, these Alzheimer's patients and Parkinson's patients where they were taking their plasma out, and it looked like freaking, like, nasty-ass oatmeal. And after, like, 10 treatments of recycling their plasma with that from a young, healthy donor – their plasma was just like clear and pristine and the Alzheimer's symptoms were going away. I mean, literally like almost like reversal or curing of a disease. Wow. Unfortunately, that's like a $50,000 protocol <laughs> to go down to the, you know, the Bay area and do something like that. So plus it's also a bit creepy a, too. I mean, yeah, know, I can't say there's a good replacement for that. Um, I mean, you can't you know, or you can, get, I, I can't. I mean, I thought you, you, I thought you were you, sending your own blood somewhere and getting it reworked to get the stem cells out of there. And then, oh yeah, I could tell you what that is in a second, but you could yeah. say that like giving blood could help, you know, doing the sauna frequently because yeah. when you're turning over a lot of sweat, you're turning over a lot of blood exercising, you know, just like doing a lot of these things that just kind of recycles your blood normally. Yeah. Um, but, but what I did was I did do one. I did. I have done two protocols that kind of sort of involved like modifying my blood. Mm -hmm. One was that I went to New York city and I had my, a pint of my blood taken out and then stressed overnight. Like in, and in this case, stressed with cold. And when blood gets stressed, it just dumps the red blood cells, dump a whole bunch of stem cells called adult pluripotent stem cells into the system. And they're like these embryonic like cells that essentially make like young blood. And then you wake up the next day and you go back into the dock and they reinject that back into your body. And then the other protocol I've done that's kind of similar, and there's another doctor down in South Carolina that does this one, is he'll take your blood out and he'll take about blood or so and concentrate that with ozone, which is a really, really potent antioxidant, and then inject the ozone back into your body, but it's mixed already with your own blood. So there are some protocols that kind of sort of fall into the same camp, mm -hmm. but it's not like you're actually getting the blood from a young, healthy donor right, right, injected right. into your yeah. into your body. But yeah, I mean, doing things like you know, umbilical stem cells or placental stem cells or amniotic fluid stem cells, that really is you know something from a young, healthy baby going into your system. So it is kind of sort of similar. Yeah. Just, it's not quite as intensive as what they're doing at that Young Blood Institute. Yeah. Is that like what they're doing with the root canals too? Uh, I think it's similar. Yeah. They, they, they take blood out when they do root canals up here. There's a naturopathic dentist that uh, puts the blood into a centrifuge and then pulls out the white blood cells, oh, yeah. the stem cells and pops yeah. the gel back in the hole to, to help it heal. Yeah. It's like a, a platelet rich plasma. Yeah, yeah. Also, that's probably mixed with stem cells. Yeah. yeah. So why, why, why is there not a lot of NAD plus IV anymore? Like I've heard like years ago, I think I heard you talk about that. And like, we've got some, some vitamin IVs down the road and stuff like that. And people doing some of those protocols, but how come, how come we don't hear a lot about that anymore? Well, they're expensive and they're uncomfortable. Right. And even though they're the best way to boost the levels of NAD, very, very good mitochondrial protectant that declines remarkably as you age, you have like 90% NAD loss by the time you're in your mid seventies. The idea is you kind of top off and replace those NAD levels. 
Um, you know, fasting can help to increase NAD. The intake of fermented foods can help to increase NAD. Exercise can help. Sauna can help. But when it comes to actual supplementation with NAD, mainlining it via the bloodstream in an IV yeah. is the best way to increase your levels of bioavailable NAD. Yeah. But as the supplement companies have arisen that are selling either NR yeah, or NMN, riboside, yeah. Yeah, or even sublingual NAD. You know, most of these NR uh, bypasses the the first pass by the liver, so you could take that as a capsule, yeah. and it's going to result in some bioavailable NAD. If you take NMN or NAD in supplemental form, usually it's in a form that's kind of dissolved under the tongue, so that it bypasses liver metabolism. And they're less expensive than IVs. They're obviously more comfortable than IVs because you tend to get like some burning and some nausea when you get the NAD injected. But they're not as efficacious. However, they're far more available to the general population and far more affordable. And then kind of in the middle are these NAD patches. A lot of people don't know about these, but you can get NAD delivered via the skin in an NAD patch. And I kind of opt. So I'll get an NAD IV about once a month. Oh, wow. And then what I do is I put on one of those patches about once a week, and that gives me about 500 milligrams of NAD that again, bypasses all the digestion and everything, and then bypasses any issues with oral bioavailability. And I dick around every once in a while, you know, because all these companies are always sending me supplements. So I've, you know, I think upstairs in my pantry right now, I've got sublingual NAD and like an NMN uh, sublingual powder. And then like, you know, I, I think I have the, the true niagen capsules up there too. So yeah. I've got other things I can kind of mess around with. But ultimately, you know, my protocol right now is I like to get an IV about once a month. And then do one of those patches about once a week. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, the, I mean, even the NR is pretty expensive as far as a supplement goes. I think it's probably, if oh, you're yeah. going to do the right, you know, a couple capsules a day, it's like 40, 50 bucks a month, I think. So, yeah, that's yeah. why I think everybody should cover their bases, you know, move, do the sauna, yeah. Yeah. fermented foods, work in some fasting. And yeah. yeah. So I also want to mention before I forget that most of the stuff you've talked about, you've got episodes with uh, leading experts in the world on all this stuff. I mean, you talked about the, uh, the uh, estrogenic thing is uh, one of your great, it's great podcast on your website. And then there's a whole bunch of other stuff. I mean, and the one thing I wanted to mention is uh, that was really relieving for me. And, and uh, when I started listening to you years ago and getting into sort of more of this, this health and wellness and sort of biohacking thing, I mean, I was really surprised at how open you and some of your colleagues were to uh, alternative healing and therapies and, uh, whether it's just meditation, I mean, it was really refreshing to to hear that you guys, you know, you follow the science a lot on all this stuff, and you're always looking at the the reports and the the science, but you're also very open to a lot of the stuff that can't be measured so easily by science. Yeah, I mean, that's the way that, that it kind of always has been when it comes to affecting change, but being ahead of what might be accepted in yeah. mainstream medicine. You know, what was it? Semmelweis was the doctor who was literally like vilified and sent off to a mental institution when he raised the idea that surgeons should perhaps be washing their hands as they're going back and forth from like operating on somebody to doing a c-section on a mom and people are just like this dude's a kook what's he talking about like wash your hands it's inconvenient doesn't work he was a young doctor you know his, his lab coat wasn't as long as the other doctors which is how they kind of judged the intelligence and a superiority of a physician back in those days. And he wound up dying in prison, or like in a mental institution for suggesting that folks wash their hands prior to surgery. 
right? And now that's just common practice. So, yeah, um, I, I think you know, you if you if you stick only to the stuff that's just like completely tried and true with a decade of human clinical research behind it, you do kind of limit yourself as far as generating some interesting ideas that that are more based on case studies or anecdotal data. And I'm I'm not closed to that idea. I mean, I'm not even close to ideas that are completely rooted at this point, you know, in, in things that simply can't be proven, like a lot of the stuff that folks like Bruce Lipton or Joe Dispenza talk yeah, yeah, about, like yeah. the fact that the cells and the and the tissues can respond to emotions or thoughts or belief patterns or that, you know, perhaps things like bone cancer could be rooted in hate or anger or bitterness. Like none of that shit's provable, but you know, I mean, hell, I'm, I'm a Christian, right? Like I believe that that God made the planet like 12,000 years ago and doesn't get much more kooky faith-based than that. So, so I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm kind of open to a lot of ideas that are even just based purely on, well, you know, this is just something that, that, you know, that, that we know we can't quite explain it, but we know that people who are full of hate and bitterness and rage and anger tend to have this higher incidence of bone cancer. So there's something between like the emotion and the cancer, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not close to ideas that can't necessarily be proven at least at this point. Yeah. Well, a couple of my favorite shows that you did were with these like chi pushers, like Shaolin monks from the, I mean, it's just right out of a movie, you know, these guys that went up there, forced their way and not forced, but you know, um, insisted that they go in and study with these guys and then they come out just pushing huge amounts of chi. And I mean, it's like just straight out of yeah. like a, you know, fantasy movie. Um, unbelievable episodes, uh, with those guys. Well, yeah. The perfect example. I mean, like anybody's done holotropic breath work yeah. you know, about once a month, I do this long holotropic breath work yeah. session in my sauna. My pineal gland just like churns out DMT. <laughs> I get to the same point with that as I do with like high dose psilocybin. And like, we know that the body and the breath and the emotions can, and produce some some pretty impressive chemical changes on not just us, but based on the electrical signals that the human body produces, those around us. So, yeah, a lot a lot of this stuff kind of flies under the radar and is scoffed at by mainstream medicine and mainstream science. But I still think that just because that's the case, uh, we can't uh, or shouldn't feel as though we need to ignore it or not dabble in it or find some some interesting tidbits of goodness and benefit from it. That's great. I think that's a really healthy attitude. That's like the placebo, you know, it's all, it's like I say, it's all just different variations of the placebo effect. That is just yeah. an annoyance to the medical system. Even though they use it as yeah, a measurement. I mean, if, if I were to convince you that that spam that's on your desk was going to increase your IQ and I gave you a pre and post cognitive function test or cognitive intelligence test, I guarantee you you do better <laughs> on post test after you ate the spam. This is what we tell people no, that. I don't think it, pork and meat shit for that. We we try and tell people that if they uh, if they support the show that they'll just feel better, life will just be better. Listen <laughs> to the Grimeric show and you'll be smarter and healthier. Yeah. So before we uh, before we run out of time here, why don't you tell people about what your you know what you do and your Keon company and your your podcast and just get a chance to to give people the rundown there because it's it's amazing yeah. work and really appreciate all you do. Well, thank, thanks for for giving me the opportunity. Um, yeah, I got a podcast and a blog at bengreenfieldfitness.com. Try to interview some physicians and scientists and talk about interesting stuff, primarily in the realm of like life extension and health and performance and, and fat loss, nutrition, supplementation, things like that. And then I also own and operate a supplements company where I formulate 
you know, uh, supplement formulations for things like joint health or, or fat loss or muscle gain, et cetera. And then the name of that company is Keon. And so that's at getkeon.com, getkion.com. So those are kind of my two two companies are bengreenfitness.com and getkeon.com. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Well, you're also, uh, you know, a guinea pig on your own stuff too. I mean, I love the way you uh, try everything out yourself as well. Really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Not dead yet, so it hasn't blown up in my face too that's bad. Right. That's right. Is, any, any regrets with that uh, self-prescribed stuff at all? No, no. I wish I had some sexy story where I really <laughs> fucked myself up. But honestly, like, I've, like anything I've messed around with has, has always made me feel better. I mean, even freaking, you know, I got a bunch of, you know, like, publicity last year for injecting stem cells into my dick and people are like, Oh, you're going to get dick cancer and it's going to turn black and fall off. But honestly, like my erections got better and my orgasms like doubled in length and my libido went up and, and yeah, sure. Shit could have gone wrong, but it all went, it all went pretty well. So, so far, so far nothing's gone. Right on. Is a, is a holotropic breath work. Is that, is that similar to like what Wim Hof is doing? Yeah. That's similar to what we were doing there. We had a, we were yeah, just, a, like, yeah, we were just it'd away like in Colorado. Yeah. But it'd be like doing it for like 90 minutes. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. We just did. We just went through that with one of Wim Hof's uh, certified trainers. We had doing it every morning when we were at a little uh, getaway there in Colorado. It was fantastic. Nice. Yeah. Right on, Ben. Is there anything else you want to mention before we let you go? I think that's it, dudes. Uh, so uh, thanks, thanks for having me on. I appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for your help, man. It's awesome yeah, it's uh, chatting great. with you. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, thanks so much. Cool. All right, buddy. All right. Okay. Catch you guys later. Okay, take care. All right. Enjoy the rest of the day. Got the mouse there. That was a chat. One and only Ben Greenfeld. Ben Greenfield. Um, so that's exciting. I mean, we were driving. Was it? Was it when we were driving it in was Minneapolis? CAC, it was CAC, no, it was CAC number two when we uh, were tweeting. CAC number were, one? No. Oh, yeah, it was. It was two years ago then. Yeah. I thought it was even, yeah. even pre-CAC. I thought it was when we, like, went down to visit Brad in Spokane. Uh, yeah, it might have been. That's when we were, like, listening to him talk to Rick Ross or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. It's really, his, his, his podcast is overwhelming with the information. Like, it's really you kind of got to pick what you, what you want out of it. Cause you could get, just get overwhelmed with all the health and wellness tips and all that. And we were, you were tweeting him and I was actually looking for like supplement stores in, uh, in Spokane, I think. Yeah. That's right. right near there. Yeah. Yeah. That's when I was looking for the NR, the nicotinamide riboside. That was before it blew up. Before what? That was before he blew up. Cause no, I think no, he no, like no, tweeted no. us back some stories, no. didn't he? Oh, no, he was, he was blown up was before it? then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For quite a few years now. He's a super athlete too. He just won uh, this competition. I think it was a bow hunting competition or something. Like that, up in, that up in Bonners, yeah, yeah, close to close to Bonners Ferry. That's one of my yeah. favorite portals in the think, USA. The thing I like about him is he, he's he's not just a true athlete, but he practices what he preaches and he and he tries shit on himself and and he's super smart. Like you wonder how much how he retains all this all this information. It's fantastic. Absolutely. Well, huge thanks to Ben for coming on the show. Inspiring. Yeah, inspiring. Check out his Twitter account, at Ben Greenfeld, Greenfield. What's the problem with that today? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't know. Is there even wearing a green shades show? in the studio? Is that why? It's sunny. Outside. I don't know. Uh, 
Jeez, we didn't even get a chance to talk to him about sun and light and I wanted to ask him all these other questions too, but he's a busy guy, but that's okay. Now that we broke the ice, we'll be able to have him back on again. I'm yeah, sure maybe. we'll have him on down the road. We can get into the photons and the brotons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, big thanks to people who support the show. Check out America.ca slash support so you can live longer, feel better. And, uh, just have a general lightness about you. And we would uh, really appreciate it. You can join the ranks of the people that pay for all the bandwidth and the table and the mics, all that fantastic and the stuff. Cords that go all the, the cords time. that are constantly breaking, all that fantastic stuff. Boost your karma. Gramerica.ca/support. There's a bunch of stuff in the show notes that's super helpful. Gram takes the time to do the show notes, and he has all the links in there. You can just like. Go there, click on them, yeah, do it. Yeah, on most of the stuff we talked about, too. Like tonight's episode, we have, a, he, he mentioned a few books and a few things in there, so I'll put links into those books so if people want to find out what it is, because I know what it's like when you're listening to something and you can't take notes about, about you know, highlighted Absolutely. topics, just go into the notes, click on it, and you get a link to the book. Yeah, while well, you're there, review the show, share the show, tell your friends about this motherfucker, sign people up for the newsletter. What else? Is that it? Sure. That's it. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Started writing down a list of things to do. Number one on the list of things to do was to write a list of things to do. Number two on the list, a little more nihilist, wrote down the cake is a lie. There is no spoon. Johnny flipped out, they put him in a rubber room. Hide all your money under your mattress. You call your enemy a fascist. Somebody call an ambulance. The sky is falling. Hide all your money under your mattress. You call your enemy a fascist. Somebody call an ambulance. The sky is falling. Started to carve my initials into a 150 foot tree. Forgot who I was, where I was, cut my hand and it began to bleed. Was only looking to leave my mark in the bark in the park. Now I'm in agony. I have no name. My legacy is written in the sparks in your brain. Hide all your money under your mattress. You call your enemy a fascist. Somebody call an ambulance. The sky is falling. Hide all your money under your mattress. You call your enemy a fascist. Somebody call an ambulance. The sky is falling. Johnny crumpled up, threw away his list of things to do. Instead, he got to jotting down his life, blood legacy manifesto, manifesto. Live by principles of peace, mix it with charity. Don't leave the next generation a world of scarcity. Johnny wasn't a commie, he was my fellow man. Johnny wasn't a commie, he was my fellow man. Johnny wasn't a Nazi, he was a firebrand. Johnny wasn't a Nazi, he was a firebrand.
mistress You call your enemy a fascist Somebody call an ambulance The sky is falling Hide all your money under your mattress You call your enemy a fascist Somebody call an ambulance The sky is falling The Great America Congress is now in session. Welcome, Congressmen and Congresswomen. You have been invited to the special sitting of this Congress because of your donations to one of the greatest podcasts in the land, the Great America Podcast. And now I invite you to please take your seats as we welcome our chairpersons, Mr. Darren Grimes and Mr. Graham Dunlop. And welcome to the Grime America Black Budget Support Feed. <laughs> 
Uh, Command Studio, the black budget has now been approved by Congress. The black budget has now been approved by Congress. Uh, I'm going to get out to the